favorite fantasy show ever, Under the Radar, <laughs> with the dynasty dealer, Ian Kahn. Hello, my friends. And the man who was left behind for FSGA this year, Derek Van Riper. <laughs> Good morning. Was he left behind? Okay. Did he not win Best Host? Uh, no, I was. I just meant like physically, he was not uh, at oh, okay. FSGA. He also did not. But you know what? It's good to be nominated. And Field Yates crushed everybody. So and dude, not only was he nominated, he made it. To, he made it as a finalist. I know it's pretty impressive, man. On and two by the way, his fronts. his uh, other show. Congratulations <laughs> to DVR. <laughs> this is why. See, this is the joke. Is you're always saying like that's his favorite show. That's his favorite show. It's like that's the one that gets nominated, bro. We're we're the we're in the butt. But we we bring. Well, in you know, you know who, I wonder who who put in the nominations for podcasts. DVR. I don't know. Yeah, who puts in the, who puts in the nomination? <laughs> Maybe that one got a little extra special uh, attention. His favorite <laughs> guys. <laughs> extra editing for the submission. Yeah, okay. and this one. <laughs> you know, under the radar was a two second clip of Ian just going, "You know what?" And that was it. That was nomination. <laughs> you know what, knucklehead? And then it just ended. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, right. uh, yeah, this show was nominated for an FSGA award, so we'll take it. Yeah. Hey, man. Let's jump in. All right. Uh, we missed. So this is, so I was at FSGA last week, uh, the Fantasy Sports and Gaming Association Conference in Las Vegas. Uh, learned a lot, met a lot of people. Good times had by all. But uh, unfortunately, so Ian called, and I was in the middle of something crazy, and uh, wanted to do a show, and I just I didn't even get back to him for like six hours. And I'm sorry about that. No, it's fine. I, uh, what happened was, and I guess we have to talk a little bit about this. Like the day, the day. Gosh, I was like helping my mom. I was helping my mother. Um, move stuff and I get a I like just pop on Twitter for a second and I see that the the penalty for the Astros and I was just like flabbergasted and I I called you and I called DVR and DVR's like yeah it's a big deal this is like huge and I was like we got to do a show we I know we weren't supposed to but we got to do a show because I want to rant about this this is insane and then <laughs> Nando didn't hear back. And then DVR and I were like, the next day we're like, come on, everybody's kind of done a show about this now. So we don't really need to do the show. So let's just wait till next week. So that's how it went down. But boy, well, we had a lot of feelings. Since then, uh, Alex Bregman has given some terrible comments. And the Astros have totally fumbled this whole thing from a PR perspective. So uh, we'd just like to get a, get an idea of Ian Khan's uh, knucklehead ratings. We'll get to that. Let's run down the show real quick, and then we'll <laughs> just yeah. rev up a little bit. Yeah, <laughs> this is like in Mario Kart. That was just the first light. Like, let us get to the third. <laughs> <laughs> we got <laughs> we got a uh, we got an email from Joey. He's he's got a question uh, for the crew here from the Yankee stuff. Uh, Ian's got a big trade that he made in his dynasty league. Uh, Ian and I are both doing some NFBC drafts. I'm doing an NFBC fifty. He's doing a one fifty. Which I found out the NFBC 50s are only 12 teams. The 150s are 15. Uh, so, lesson learned. Um, I met Pete Rose in Las Vegas, got an autograph. Uh, I got a question about Joey Lucchese. We will probably not even get to that. But then there's some stuff about the Orioles. Uh, we'll not get Brian to that Mountcastle. either. I don't think we're gonna. I don't think we're gonna get past Ian's knucklehead rankings. To be honest, sorry, Joey. <laughs> Thanks for your email. <laughs> but let's get into it. Um, and you know this, this look. This is a fantasy show, obviously, and this we like to take a long look at dynasty stuff and and you know players who a lot of people aren't on right now. We are going to talk a little bit about Alex Bregman here and Jose Altuve to a degree, and maybe involve some more guys. Um, you know, there's a trick. You know, Carlos Beltran lost a job, and it could have been a good thing for the Mets to actually have him in the dugout. Now that's chaos. So there will be a trickle down effect. But um, Alex Bregman, Ian, uh, go. 
It's so sad, man. I, you know, this whole thing, I, I remember when it first came out, I said, I think A.J. Hinch should be suspended for a year. Remember, I was like, whoa. And I was like, no, it should be suspended for a year, get nowhere close to, to the team, like just totally. And what they ended up doing was kind of like just desperately worse. I mean, they just, they slammed them appropriately. You know, the fact that Core is out, that uh, Hinch is out, and the fact that Beltron is out, you're talking about two of the best managers in baseball. I mean, and, and I think Beltron would have been a really strong manager. Watching the thing that shocked me this week, and it just makes me so sad, is watching Altuve round those bases because I talked about this on the show after it happened, if you guys remember. I, he hit the home run against Chapman. I was like, you know what, man? Altuve, like, he hit the home run and he just rounds the bases, like, hey, I'm just doing my business. Yeah, that's not what he was doing. I was dead wrong. What he was doing was he was thinking to himself, holy smoke, they're going to tear off my jersey because I just won us the ALCS. And when they tear off my jersey, they're going to see the buzzer on my body. And this whole thing is going to blow up on me. And it is like heartbreaking to look at that and realize the Astros, you know, when they do that little turnaround in the dugout, they're going, do you catch us cheating or no? That team is screwed. All of those players are going to be booed for their entire career. Alex Bregman is going to take a dive, man. If you were taking him with a top 10 pick, I wouldn't. I, I would not get near that. I, I would wait to see if he can drop into the middle, late second round. I think there's going to, and, and maybe I'm overreacting to that, but that's just where I'm at with it. I, I well, want to see how, are. I want to see how these guys can hit when they don't know what's coming next. That's what I'd like to see. Uh, well, here's the thing. Alex Bregman, and I, I will, I shouldn't admit this, but I will. Uh, I thought he was bad last year. You know what I mean? Like when I, when I was looking at his ADP and starting just to, you know, a month ago, starting to really get the cobwebs out of the way. I was looking at his ADP. I'm like, geez, man, that's like, why is Bregman going so high? He had a crappy year last year. You know, at the end of the year, you look at his numbers, 296 batting average, 1.015 OPS, 41 homers. Um, but that's not the Alex Bregman that I remember in July and August. You know what I mean? Like, if you, he, was, he was crap. And you got to wonder, like, that superhuman turnaround in the last couple of months. I mean, Alex Bregman on – let me just pick a random day. I'm going through his game log on baseball reference. Alex Bregman on August 1st was batting 265, man. And yeah. he finished 296. That's when they put the buzzer on, maybe. I mean, unfortunately. Well, that's what I'm saying. Like, it, it reminds me of that movie, the, the Program, where the dude was on steroids, and then he got off the steroids and realized he couldn't do it. And, and I'm not saying he's on steroids. This is just a metaphor. Uh, and then, you know, the last game where he tackles the guy at the one-yard line, and the, I think the coach looks in his eyes, and he can tell he's back on the steroids. Um, you know, maybe he just figured, you know, it's July. Like, I, I, this isn't working. Like, let's get back to these old ways now, please. Yeah, I don't know. I, I, maybe. And you have to, it really hurts the game of baseball. You know, we were, my family was away in, uh, in Disney World and I'm meeting, I'm seeing people wearing Houston Astros shirts or Houston Astros hat. And I'm like, how are you wearing that hat, man? How, how are you even doing that? How are you taking any are you, you, uh, you seem like the kind of guy who would applaud people sticking by their team. No, I mean, yeah, okay. But not this week. This is not the week. And then there's a buddy of mine named Scott Wingfield who plays in one of my Dynasty League's huge Astros fan, huge Astros fan. And I called him about a deal the other day about this deal that we'll talk about because he had the number two pick. I was trying to get the number two pick, couldn't get the number two pick, blah, blah, blah. And I called him and he said, yeah, I'm not an Astros fan anymore. This is just, it's just too painful. It's just awful what they did. And that's the truth. It's just awful what they did. That level of cheating that they did is absurd, and it, it, it dings everybody as far as I'm concerned. I need to see, like, I'm re restructuring my mind about all of those players. All of them. That's George Springer? Yeah, all of them. They, 
They're, they all drop for me. They all drop for me. I don't buy in any of it anymore. If Again, we've talked about this, and I'm going to say it again. I've played enough baseball. I was a pretty good ball player. You know what pitch is coming? I mean, Mike Clevenger said, I'd rather everybody be on steroids than you know what damn pitch is coming next. It's just, it's not baseball. It's like saying, it's, a, it's in using football. I know you're going to run between the guard and the tackle in the next play. Well, all you have to do is guard between the guard and the tackle. You know a slider's coming. You know an off-speed pitch is coming. You don't have to protect for a fastball at your freaking head. You're going to hit that. I, I, mm, DVR, take over, because I'm just going to Yeah, DVR, getting, come on. You've been mm. quiet. He's probably he's writing the rundown for Rates and Barrels. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I'm 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 it's a really good show. I mean, Eno Saris and Derek <laughs> Graham Riper. You know, it is an about excellent a, show. It really is. It. it is a really good show. There's really only one of us that does. And I'm saying that's a that's a premium show. You know, it was a finalist <laughs> for best podcast of the year, and rightfully so, should have won. DVR, please throw in your your two dollars and ninety five cents. All right. So here's the here's the challenging thing about all this. We don't know what exactly was happening at which points when things were going well, when things weren't. But we see career best seasons from guys like Bregman and Springer and. Regardless of how a career best season happens, the natural tendency is to regress that back to a previous mean. And maybe that mean has to be regressed even further because, you know, what happened last year and in previous years was aided with different, you know, help, right? So there's lots of ways you can go about this, but I don't think it goes beyond a normal sort of regression that I would put on a player. Like, I think it's a pretty typical, like, okay, I don't expect Bregman to hit 41 home runs again. Anyway, I'm not dropping him down to like 20. I'm, I'm looking looking at him as like a low thirties home run guy. Uh, but Springer is the same kind of thing. Came off this career year, 39 homers a year ago. Wasn't expecting that to repeat anyway. So I think you have to like go back to previous norms, but you also have to realize like top to bottom, if everyone's a little bit worse, the counting stats, like those gaudy counting stats, those RBIs and those runs that the Astros were piling up, that's probably coming down too. And that was one of the things that really separated them as one of the elite team offenses in the league is you'd get that extra lift in those team-driven categories. So uh, I, I think you mentioned Bregman maybe being like a second-round pick. That probably makes sense, like early to mid-second round for me. So I'm dinging him, maybe not as much as you are, but... I definitely think there's a, a downgrade there just because you have guys coming off of some massive years as it is anyway. Ian, how much more of a downgrade, how much more of a downgrade is he getting for like, okay, cheating, whatever, but like just because you personally feel he's a knucklehead? Uh, he takes some, you know, you saw the interview that he made, that he gave the other day where he just kept repeating. Oh yeah, that's, what I'm, that's where this all came from. Like how bad right. of a PR job are they doing here? They, because they're, because they're, they're caught in a lie. That's it. They're just caught in a lie and they're caught. So they, 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 I mean, the look on their face, it's like my, my seven-year-old, he just broke a old walking stick. That was my father's who died. And the look on his face when he, when he came back was like, oh man, I'm like, it's all right. You're named after him. He, he'd be all right with it. But there's a, but there's a look on the face of a child when they're caught. That's what I saw with Altuve and with Bregman. The problem for them is emotionally, and this is why I am going to ding them more. Baseball is an emotional game. Talk about it all the time. Character matters. Over the course of 162 games, what's going on in your life is going to affect things. If you're going through a divorce, you're you're not going to play as well because your 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 mind isn't just totally on baseball. Every time that he goes into an opposing ballpark, he's going to be booed. Every time he goes into a ballpark for the first time, he's going to be asked these questions. Did you cheat? Are you cheating now? Are you cheating now? Are you a cheater? 
You are a cheater. How are you? How are you doing it now? How have you guys figured out how to cheat now? That's what their life is going to be like, at least for this coming season. The only way out I see for them is they got to be really smart with their next hire. They're losing one of the best managers in baseball. Clearly, I've said that. They got to hire Dusty Baker. They got to hire big old Dusty Baker to come in and say, "Do you come to me? You want to get to these guys? You come through me." I think that I think it's huge. I think Dusty Baker is the right choice. For the uh, Dusty Astros. Baker's not going to, this is, a, but this is my problem with Dusty Baker. He's not going to yeah. take that front office. I mean, well, the front office is completely decimated too, but I mean, like, I, you know, AJ Hinch, an extension of Jeff Lunau, you know, like is Dusty Baker's not going to be an extension of uh, Pete Patila. No, right. But like, that, that, he's not going to take that crap and he'll be gone and, you know, he'll year. be gone in two years. He'll be gone in two years, but he'll come in and he'll be big daddy. You know, I mean, big daddy in the in, in the dugout. He did that. He came in for Matt Williams, right? Cleaned up that mess. He comes in and he's like, come on now, just let's play baseball. Don't think about any of that crap. Let's just play baseball. I think honestly, I think that's the only chance that they have, because I think the giddy up in all of these guys is really going to suffer. Altuve is going to suffer, man. I, I just like maybe I'm wrong. Maybe he comes out and hits 345 with an absolute vengeance and he puts all of his all this negative energy just puts into a deeper level of focus. Maybe. Um, but I, I'm, you know, I'm dinging all these Astros and I'm not I'm not looking out to get them. DVR, the uh, the front office has lost Luno. They lost Brandon Taubman because of that ridiculous Asuna thing. Uh, they lost two of their top guys who went to the Orioles. Um is, I mean, this, you know, I love looking at non-roster invitees and like these smaller moves that a lot of teams make. And Houston's kind of stacked, so maybe it's not the perfect example. But as this season wears on, I mean, is it like you're almost talking, I mean, maybe they ascend Patila up to GM. But um, is, is this a team that, forget about fantasy for a second, but, you know, if when Ian and I drive over to the FanDuel Sportsbook and put our futures in, um, is this like a team you kind of want to look I was there in Las Vegas when I saw the odds go from three to one to five to one after the suspensions were sent down um, and everybody was fired. You know, it made you kind of think like, well, it's the Houston Astros. They still got a pretty stacked team. You know, all the players are still there. Um, is this a, is this the kind of situation where you're kind of like, I'd like to go contrarian and maybe if the Astros hit like seven to one, put some money on them? Or is this where like we've got to be smart now because they don't have decision makers in place who are going to be able to pull off these moves that, you know, are part of a much larger plan that's been built for many years? Are you is, is it a weird question? Are you approaching that a little differently? Um, I know you're not a big gambling guy, but you know. Yeah, I mean, I, I don't think I want to bet on them because I don't want them to be successful as a team. It's 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 just one of those things where it's like kind of like it's it's like the opposite situation of betting on a team that you'd like. You don't want to bet on a team you like because you're too emotionally invested. You don't want to bet on a team that you hate because your your emotions are driving the decisions, right? But when you do step back and, and look at what they have, this is still a very good team. These were very good players getting help. They're still going to have high-performance baselines. They're still going to be a competitive team as constructed. And the front office pieces, the people in the front office that are now gone, built the depth that they're currently working with. You know, When you look at that rotation, you see Verlander and Grinke in the colors, and then you see a, guy, a bunch of guys you really don't necessarily think of as household names. I mean, obviously, we in the fantasy community are very familiar with Forrest Whitley and even Jose Urquidy at this point. Like The depth they've already assembled was assembled by this machine, if you want to call Houston that. Yeah, they're, I, I think short-term, they're fine. It's just that long-term question of, okay, how good are the people that are stepping into those roles? Are they able to continue finding players, developing players? I mean, Josh James, like the sleep apnea thing, it, 
a like was it really sleep apnea that's kind of like the conspiracy angle but b like if that was development is that system still in place for the astros to max out kind of unheralded players that they've been able to pile up in their system for the last half decade or more yeah it's like the astros ruined those guys the astros are so terrible with prospects i think well, Jordan Alvarez and Alex Bregman and Correa kind of do the opposite of that. But it will be a little bit like a Dynasty League team that has this like stacked and then they lose the owner and you get kind of a mediocre owner that comes in. It's going to hold for a couple of years. But I think I like DVR's idea that over the long term. But look, man, it comes down in terms of winning the World Series. I'm going to short that bet. You know, I'll bet against that. You know, I'll take one to seven that they're not going to win the freaking World Series because I'm telling you, they're going to struggle in some ways this year. It's going to be, they're not going to have fun going to the ballpark. And it was part of what made them so successful. They had a great chemistry. Well, now you're all a bunch of liars. You're a bunch of cheaters. Yeah. And, and to be called that on a daily basis, they're going to come to Yankee I Stadium. By George Washington? Yeah. Yeah. All right, fine. I'll take that. I'll use that right Take there. that, man. That's yeah. I will, Ian, come on, man. No, I will. I will. Because there's this, it's about character. It's about, it's about what we, especially baseball, man. What I, what I said to my son, what I said to my son was, we can't win in Houston for some reason. Well, now I had to explain to him why. And he went, wait, what? They cheated? I said, yeah, yeah. How did they cheat? They knew a pitch was coming. How would they know that? Well, they had a camera in center field that had, was sort of focused on the catch. He goes, that's not fair. I said, no, that's not fair. I said, so we lost to them that way? Yeah, we lost to them that way. That's not fair. No, it's not fair. I'm sorry, son. That's I'm not even going to say but what that is. you created some great memories watching the games. Yeah, yeah, but we also got cheated. And then to find out, you know, if I'm a Dodger fan right now, that the Red Sox were doing it, and the Astros were doing it, and those are the two teams you lost in the World Series. The Yankees in, tw- in 2018, 2017 lost to the Astros, who won the World Series. 2018 lost to the Red Sox, and 2019 lost to the Astros. Maybe the memories would have been a little sweeter. Maybe Aaron Judge would be celebrating a World Series right now if the other teams didn't cheat. Now, all could come out. Like I said, if it comes out that the Yankees are doing the same thing, the Twins are doing the same thing, and someone has evidence of that, I will I will fillet the Yankees. I will fillet them, the Twins, because there's just no place for that. Children watch this game. Yeah, that's it. All right. That, so, Knucklehead, unfortunately, a play, two players I really liked. Jose Altuve, I was a huge fan. Alex Bremen, huge fan. Cheating, lying knuckleheads, full on. Full on. Take it. Nice. Love it. Okay. Uh, we're good? Is that out yeah. of our system? Or do we we'll probably come back to this? <laughs> we'll come back to this, yeah. Something else yeah. is going to happen next week, right? Right. That video. If you haven't watched the video of him rounding the bases, Altuve, take a look. You'll see it. When he, The look of fear in his eyes as he holds his jersey together. And then when Ken Rosenthal from The Athletic asks him, hey, why were you so, you know, why didn't you want them to take off the jersey? Not any kind of like because of conspiracy theory, but wow, you were really telling them not to take off the jersey. He said, I'm very shy. My wife wouldn't like it, right? And then you go on Instagram and there's pictures of Altuve wearing a freaking Speedo. He ain't that shy. Bad lie. Bad lie. Oh, God. I get so excited when Ian gets angry about things. Yeah, Sorry. Anyway, yeah. all right, all right, uh, Joey. You know, okay, let's do it. Let's let's get to Joey. Uh, DVR, you've barely said anything this show. Uh, you you want to read Joey's email? Sure. Uh, Derek Nando, Ian, Happy New Year! Terrific first pod of the year. First, I want to say that I echo Ian's sentiments about the Astros: dirty, rotten cheaters. A lot of them. Oh, look here's, at that. He look, knew. Here's a question <laughs> for Ian: 
What do you make of the Yankees rotation situation? Jordan Montgomery seems like he could provide sneaky value at a very low cost, or does Domingo Herman come back to retake that job, or is old man Jay Happ and the bullpen going to fill in? So the first question for Ian, and then I'll get to the second question once Ian gets a chance to reply. You know, I like Jordan Montgomery an awful lot, um, but I think he's coming. He'll be coming off Tommy John surgery. There's not. I, I wouldn't expect that much during those first uh, couple of months. Um, Domingo Germán is out for 81 games. He obviously has a lot. Of, he's got a very live arm and was very successful last year. Really helped fantasy teams with a lot of wins. Um, but he won't be he won't be of much help. Look, I think Jay Happ is going to bounce back. He has to a little bit. I mean, they signed him. They've got that that big old contract with him. Um, but I also could see, uh, you know, the use of the opener. That bullpen is so powerful. Chad Green really does, you know, using the opener on this team makes a lot of sense. Davey Garcia, I think there he's probably, going to probably end up in the bullpen, but I think he's going to give some valuable innings this year. But with the, the rotation that they have right now, adding Garrett Cole to that team with Severino and with Tanaka and with Paxton, that top four is really strong. So if you want to go opener on that fifth day, um, you know, try to give Hap, you know, let Hap be the follower. Is that what we decided we we're going to call it? The follower? I don't remember. But let Hap be the sure. In that position, because people are always saying, well, they'll trade Hap. Like, who wants him? <laughs> like, what are you going to get? You know, who's going to take on $16 million for Hap? So, but I think that they'll be okay. And I think that the team is going to be really good. Uh, DVR, are you at all worried? Um, and we can't ask Ian this because he's a Yankees homer, but you look at James Paxson, who had some arm troubles last year. You look at Tanaka, who has still somehow that torn UCL that he's pitching through. Uh, Severino had some arm issues last year. Hap is old. Uh, you know, is that, is this a shakier rotation than maybe we think it is? And, you know, you look at the Yankees, who they have kind of backing up and all those names Ian just threw out. They don't have like a ton of, of starting pitching depth at all. Um, concern or no? I, I think the concern for me would be that a lot of their pitching depth does seem like it's still maybe another year plus away. But I, I like that top four a lot. I mean, with Tanaka, he had the bone spur taken out of his elbow. I think that's a big part of why he was struggling last season. I think it was encouraging that we saw Severino at the end of the year, and I thought he kind of looked like himself. Like That, that to me, yeah. is a really good sign for 2020. Um, so I'm not too worried about him. Paxton... Paxton's just one of those guys, he's a lot like Steven Strasburg, where you look and see like 121, 136, 160, 150. If he pops for 190 or 200 innings, they're probably going to be ace-level innings. And then you yeah. add Cole on top of that, Like I, I think it's it's actually a really good rotation. It might have slightly above average injury risk because of those pre-existing arm issues that you mentioned, but I don't think they're in terrible shape. I mean, it, it could totally spiral on them because it could totally spiral on any team, but I think that's a top three, top five rotation at this point. Yeah, top right. two. I would say top two. I mean, if, I mean, if they, stay, but I mean, I don't know. I just see like yeah, each yeah you're guy right. Has like a little, it has a little arm thing, you know, little ding. But you know, with with a and but don't forget that bullpen, the depth of that bullpen. They've got like four closers on that team. I would have liked to have seen them keep Ch uh, Chance Adams. <laughs> that that would have felt a lot better if Chance Adams was still kind of like lurking, you know, in in, in Scranton. But he's a royal. <laughs> he's a royal. Good, good for Chance Adams. It gives him a chance to gives it gives him a chance Adams to to find a spot. That's terrible. Ah, yeah. I'll tell you what, man. Ch chance Adams is a uh, Nando guy this year. All right. Well, hey, just wait to draft him. You don't need to reach. 
no reach. It's a, we're oh, gonna yeah, get to well, that a little later in the show. It's exciting. <laughs> yeah, let's I'll finish, read the second let's half. Joey's answer. Yeah, yeah I'll, I'll read. I'll read the second half of the question. And now a question for the group. So Nando, what are your thoughts on Merrill Kelly? Seems like his late season velocity surge could pair well with his high spin fastball and curveball. Could we see a Mike Minor type season from him? And that would be Thanks. cool. I, uh, Thanks, and I looking forward to, to a great follow up year from you all. Oh, sorry. Sorry, uh, yeah, I missed I that part. That looked like I a new that. subject, right? Let me yeah, just add did, a did space it. there. There we go. Yeah. yeah. Whoever put in a two uh, B, that would so be tight. me. Yeah. <laughs> was, I blame myself. I blame myself. Uh, Kelly, I liked a lot because I just I, I don't know why I like the guys who come back from Japan or Korea and you know like a uh, Miles Mikolas a couple of years ago. Seems like they've learned a new skill or they figured things out or they had a chance to actually grow instead of being shuttled like back and forth. Um, you know, from from the minors up to the majors and not getting a fair shake. Uh, and then he kind of disappointed me. I thought he had more strikeouts, but he's right. Like that late season, Merrill Kelly, who I had in the GDD league, and we just kept starting him because it was part of part us not paying attention as much as we should have, part the UI of the site we didn't like very much. But uh, Merrill Kelly stayed on the team and stayed in the rotation and did good stuff for us at the end. Helped us surge from like 10th to 6th. Um, so I'm in on him. I don't know what his ADP is. But uh, I, I would think that the Merrill Kelly of late season is more the Merrill Kelly that you'll see in 2020. Mm-hmm. Merrill Kelly ADP is 386, so he's he's cheap. That works for me. Yeah, 24th round in the NFBC that I did. Yeah, I mean, he's he's basically free. I mean, in a 12-teamer, endgame, yeah. 15-teamer, fringy bench guy. Uh, I think he's okay. I, I think the interesting thing about the Diamondbacks is that they actually have pretty good pitching depth as well like when you take a look at what they've done they add Bumgarner they didn't trade Robbie Ray at least not yet they got Zach Gallen at the trade deadline mm. Kelly's fine as a back-end guy Luke Weaver looked like he was taking some steps forward last year before arm injuries cut that off you know Mike Leake's just kind of a back-end innings glue guy Alex Young looked okay last season I don't think he's ever going to pitch to the ratios we saw last year but that's a pretty good first seven, and that doesn't even mention one of our favorites from this show, John Duplantier, who maybe is destined to be like a multi-inning reliever at this point. But I just looked at this depth chart yesterday, and I, I came away kind of feeling good about what Arizona has put together on paper with their pitching. I think that Archie Bradley is going to have to make make something happen for him. You know, he's if he can come in and be that closer, he should be at this point. I mean, Archie Bradley should be. Uh, that closer, but yeah, I mean, he's a, he's a good dart throw at the end, I would say. Yeah, I think that I think that's where I'm at with Kelly. Just a good end game guy should have a spot to call his own to begin the season. I think some interesting I still things don't like that lineup. Season. I still don't like that lineup. Yeah, in Arizona, I mean, they're yeah. they're a bat away for sure. They're like two bats away from me. I mean, I just David Peralta is just not. You know, Jake Lamb at third. Christian Walker, you know, Cushing loves Christian Walker, right? And he says he's you know the real stuff. Uh, Stephen Voigt interests me this year as a in a deep in a really deep league as you know two catcher league I could see him sort of showing some showing some signs but it's a weird pickup the reason I'm confused is why do you draft why do you why do you go get spend all that money on Bumgarner you know like I just don't get that like if you're not ready to really compete in the playoffs does Bumgarner really help you I mean it helps you but is he going to put you over the top and get you into the playoffs? I don't see that unless they're thinking. Maybe they think they're ready. I, I just don't think a team with Cole Calhoun, David Peralta, and Jake Lamb in your lineup every day is going to get you there. Or Nick Ahmed. I mean, I like Nick Ahmed, but let Nick Ahmed be the the you know baseline player on your team. I just don't think Cole. I mean, good glove. Kettle Marte. You know, there's like 
there's two <clears throat> players on this team that scare me, scare you at bat: Eduardo Escobar and Kettle Marte. That's it. Yeah, I mean, th- this might be one of those teams. Um, Ozzy Guillen, this is a long time ago, referred to the Minnesota Twins back when Guillen was managing the White Sox uh, as the piranhas. Like they'll just chop, 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 and until and then you, before you know it, like they've taken enough bites out of you where they're beating you. And you go down that list, man. Like Marte, even if he's seventy-five percent of what he was last year, is going to be great. Peralta can hit forty home runs if he can stay healthy all year and get past all the shoulder and pec issues and. Eduardo Escobar's had great seasons before. Christian Walker, you know, finally emerged when he got enough playing time. Cole Calhoun's as steady as they come. Nick Ahmed, you know, yeah, whatever. I just, I don't believe. I, I just, I'm Lana not Kelly. with you. But I'm not with you on Peralta, and I'm not with you on Calhoun. You know, Peralta's not hitting 40 home runs. I mean, I, I'll, I'll take, I'll take the bet on that one. Even if he All stays right, healthy, if, it was six, 600 at bats. I mean, he's going to max out at 26, 27. Well, that's the to bet. me. To me, yeah, I don't know. I mean, I, and Cal Calhoun hits like 220. I just, I just feel like you know they needed to get themselves. If they, look, I'm just they didn't need to do anything. I just don't understand the Bumgarner pickup. It's like if you're in a dynasty league and you're sort of in a rebuild and you go trade for a Bumgarner and you're like, well, why are you doing that? Because pitchers are um, the only the only thought that I have is you know you unless he has a no trade clause, I'm not familiar enough with his contract. He is a nice piece to move with the deadline. You know what I mean? If your team give me Peralta, give me Peralta 33 home runs. And I won't even put oh, in the asterisk oh, that he needs oh, to get 500 bets. I'll, I'll take that bet, man. I'll give you 20 to 1 odds. How about that? Yeah? Yeah. All right. A buck. It's a buck. I'll give you 20 if I'm wrong. A buck. Got you. A buck. DVR, you're writing all this down, right? <laughs> yeah. That was David Peralta for 40 home runs? 33. No, no, no. 40 <laughs> home runs, I'll give you 100 to 1. Oh, okay. Um, all right. 33. So all right. No, 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 no. We'll just do one. <laughs> and now watch David Peralta becomes like king of the world. That would be that would be funny. No, I just I, I don't I don't I don't see it. I don't I don't see it. But twenty to one odds, yeah, I'll give you that. All right. Um. So so I want to get into this Jason Dominguez trade that you made, but uh, so here's the thing, DVR. Here's where I'm torn. I want another Ian rant about the one guy who didn't vote for Derek Jeter unanimously into the Hall of Fame. You want that? But I also feel like this Jason Dominguez trade is kind of our bread and butter. Well, uh, let so, me let me let me answer the Derek Jeter. Ready? Let me <laughs> let me let me. You. Yeah, yeah. No, no. Swear I can again. I've got, again. I, it's fun. <laughs> yeah. All right. Here's here's my POV on that. I got a text message from an old buddy of mine, actually, really famous dude who uh, he wrote Birdman, the movie Birdman, and he I knew him when he was like you know cleaning dishes. I kid you not. Like I, I he was sleeping on my floor. I mean, I know him a long time. And he texted me last night. He's like, "Who's the son of a b- that didn't vote for Derek Jeter?" And I went, Willie Mays wasn't unanimous. Derek Jeter's not going to be frick. shouldn't be unanimous. That's my opinion. Like, just one vote? One person didn't vote for Derek Jeter? I watched Derek Jeter for 15, 18 years. He does not deserve to be a unanimous uh, Hall of Famer. He was never that good. As far his his greatest benefit was longevity to me. That's the greatest thing. I mean, he made three, got his 3,000 hits, did everything, a solid defensive player for a large part of his career before he became a terrible defensive player for the last five years of his career. I, I, look, I, I, I don't, I'm a fan of Derek Jeter. I nod my head, full respect, but no, he shouldn't be a unanimous uh, Hall of Fame at all. Marion Rivera, that, that makes sense because he's simply the greatest that ever did the job. But if Willie Mays wasn't unanimous and Joe DiMaggio and Mickey Mantle weren't freaking unanimous and Hank Aaron wasn't unanimous, Derek Jeter ain't unanimous. He was never that good. Never. Mariano Rivera's unanimous. It's a new Mariano Rivera deserves, to me, was the greatest at what he did ever. 
there's never been anyone who was close to as good as Mariano Rivera. That is not the case with Derek Jeter. Not remotely oh. close to me. I was expecting That's my this opinion. side of you. This, nah, is, well, this is the anti-rant, yeah. No, but, but but when I see people like, how dare they? I'm like, everyone who says that, I'm like, just quiet down. Just stop being such a Yankee homer. You know, I find, here comes a rant. I find Yankee homers to be the worst. The worst. Because we're like, well, there's one guy on some one of the pages, 365 Baseball, who just does all these rants about, the, oh, the Yankees are the best. I'm like, you make us all look terrible. You make us look like the ugly Yankee fans. Just shut up, you. Shut up, you. And that's how I feel about people who are complaining about Derek Jeter. He's great. He's amazing. He deserves to be in the Hall of Fame. Everybody shut up. Here's your rant. Done. We should actually, you know, we have the bell for James Anderson. We should have a bell for when you're done with your rant. So there's not like that, <laughs> ding, that ding, weird ding, science for DVR and like, should we talk now? Or is this easy to take a breath? <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, we're getting me, you know, we're, we're, you're, 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 pu- you're pushing the buttons there, Defino. You're like, ah, let's get Ian talking about <laughs> that now. Yeah, we're done with that. <laughs> Ian, how do you feel about global warming? A lot of people say uh, it's No. <laughs> we're going to pass on that. As not, This is not the place for that conversation. <laughs> But you know what is? All right. Guardians of the Republic. Guardians of the Republic. That is correct. Hey, if it's okay, I'm going to put in a little plug for Guardians of the Republic. If you're interested in a podcast, which, believe it or not, has a vibe similar to this, because I am the host with my partner, Patrick Murray. Of He's the head of the Monmouth University poll. There's a political podcast that is, from what I'm told, Justin Mason, my our good friend Justin Mason, just texted me, said, I've got feedback for you about your podcast. I was like, which one? And he said, Guardians of the Republic. I said, okay, great. What is it? He said, you know, I'm a Republican. I said, okay, yeah. And he said, I wish you were doing more of them. I wish it was every day. I love it so much. I was like, really? I was like, and you, you know, he said, it's totally centrist. You're looking at it from both sides of the aisle. I appreciate that. And it's fun to listen to. I was like, all right. So Guardians of the Republic on all, uh, on, I, on Apple, Stitcher, all of them. And just put in Guardians of the Republic and give us a listen. We're, it, it's cool. It's cool. It's short, like 42 minutes typically. And we really get into it. And feel free to rate and subscribe uh, that and this one. Can they? It'll be good. Are we, good time. DVR, are we on? All right, we're not there yet. Rate and subscribe to that one. We'll yeah. be there soon. It'll we'll be, be there. there It'll be there yeah. soon. That's cool. Yeah. Spoiler alert. I was getting this Jason, Jason Dominguez trade. That Ian yeah, sorry. Made it's Dynasty. A, so I, my, my apologies. I'm really doing a lot of the talking today, guys. My apologies. I did make a big trade in Dynasty uh, yesterday. So this is a league that I... That I uh, this is my old uh, dynasty league DL one. It's an industry dynasty league with some non-industry players too, but it's a good dynasty league that Alex Cushing and I have been sort of going back and forth, winning the championship over the course of the last six years. And it's a really a big arms race, fifteen team league. Cushing is a genius. He's there's nobody better really. And um, yesterday I traded with another team, and I traded Charlie Morton and Charlie Blackman for. Dallas Keuchel, these are the small pieces first. Dallas Keuchel, Ison Diaz, a third-round pick, and Jason Dominguez. So really, it's Blackman and Morton for Dominguez. A 16-year-old, he's the Martian, right? I mean, we've talked about him on the show. If we haven't, if you don't know who Jason Dominguez is, he's sort of the Wander Franco coming now. But his comps, and I kid you not, are Mike Trout and Mickey Mantle. They're saying so are Kevin Maitans. Right. Well, this is my joke, dude. Oh my God. So I said, as soon as the trade went through, I said, this guy better be the Martian and not a Maiton. Yeah. Booyah. <laughs> That's a good one. You That's set a good me one. Up. Yeah. I yeah. have to re- and I was on the phone with the guy after I uh, with my friend who I made the trade with. And I said, actually, you've just set me up to do this better be the Marshan instead of the Maiton. 
And he was like, all right, well, that's why you made the trade. But I have coverage, believe it or not, to take to, to cover Charlie Blackman. And I have coverage to cover Charlie Morton. And I've traded a 33-year-old outfielder and a 36-year-old pitcher who I think Morton could retire after this year, could stay on for another couple of years. And Blackman is going to be that guy in a dynasty league that in a year, you know, like Lorenzo Cain. Last year, I could have traded Lorenzo Cain for a lot. This year, I can't trade Lorenzo Cain for anything. Lorenzo Cain is on my team. That's just the way it is. Charlie Blackman is on the verge of being that guy. And what I ended up getting was, I hope, a generational talent who I have to wait for for a little while. But as a Yankee fan, I'm going to enjoy watching his progress. And I've got the coverage, man. I had a little bit of roster crunch, so it helps with that. It was fun. It was really fun. What do you think, DVR? Do you think that's uh, insane, or do you see the the logic? No, I see the logic. I mean, and it's cool that you're still playing for right now, too. I mean, with guys like Morton especially, the the value falls off a cliff. Like his, This is something I, I texted you guys before the show, but I think Charlie Morton would be near the top of the list. If you were taking all the players in redraft and their values and comparing those to keeper and dynasty league values... Charlie Morton's at the top of the list of players with the widest gap in those two numbers. Like he's great in redrafts. I don't see him like falling off a cliff this year, performance-wise. But he does have some major injuries uh, in the past. He's very old, as he suggested. Retirement is a possibility. It's better to be even a year early or a few months early dealing a player like that away, especially when you can get a potential, you know, ten-plus year keeper in Dominguez back. If 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 the projections on him from the prospect community are right that is a trade that will make your team very very good for a long time i I really want to say this to dynasty league owners get out early now don't give away don't give a guy away i mean last year i got for scherzer and and cushing called me up he's like what are you nuts why are you giving up scherzer i was like because i just got jameson tyon hey how'd that work out max muncie will smith uh the catcher uh two first round picks and a first-round pick in the following year. Now, if Tyon didn't have arm trouble, but look, what is that? What is that first-round pick? Uh, like, how, like keeper-wise, how does this league work? Is it like where you correspond to a round, or like is uh, that- these are first-year player draft players? So these are college oh, okay. and high oh, okay, school gotcha. players, right. right? So, but so first this is like round a straight picks, real dynasty league. Yeah, yeah, totally full on, full okay, on. Okay, okay. But real first round, first round picks and first year player drafts, where you know it's not an open universe, where some leagues like Devil's Rejects, which I play in, which is an open universe, which makes it less valuable. But if you can, if you can have that right, and you can have those first round picks, they turn. Not only are they huge values for the player you draft, but they're also. Then last night, what I did was I traded a second round pick in next year's draft and a third round pick in this year's draft, which is all excess because I have tons of extra draft picks. I'm always trading from that, like Bill Belichick. I'll take, you know, I'll trade you a, I'll give you my third round pick this year for your second round pick next year, you know, and I just accumulate, accumulate, accumulate picks because they're great trade fodder, right? So I got Carlos Martinez and Sandy Alcantara last night for a second rounder next year, which which should be the end of the second round, and a third round this year, which I, for a pick I traded for, and I also gave him Kyle Gibson. But I got Carlos Martinez, who's going back into the rotation, and Sandy Alcantara, who has some real upside, trying to replace that Charlie Morton space. Here's my Carlos Martinez. I'm actually glad you brought him up. Oh, sorry, you are going to say something. No, no, good, good, good. Moving on. No, so Carlos Martinez. So last night in, in my, uh, my NFBC 50, I grabbed Alex Reyes. I'm like 34th round, whatever. Thinking that Alex Reyes, and this is before the Martinez is going back to the rotation buzz really started, I guess. Or until, I, I guess, before I looked it up. But uh, Reyes, I assume, is kind of in the same boat as Martinez in that possible closer candidate, possible rotation candidate. Um, but 
either way, I think you win. Like I, I don't. Maybe maybe he ends up in a high leverage middle relief situation, but I think those two pitchers, in particular, on that staff, are too good to not be a starter or the closer. I don't know if you feel the same way, but for me, those two kind of traveling. They're almost like the same pitcher to me. I think that's a Nando that in the thirty fourth round to get yourself Alex Reyes. I think is savvy. I think it's a savvy. Thank pick you. Up. Very savvy. Because yeah. then, I mean, if, there, if he's back, I think he's... When does he come back, DVR? Does he come back in June? He's supposed to have a normal off-season. Oh. That's, that was, he'll be ready. That was back in November. That was the last update, just looking at his Rotowire page. And, you know, I, I would imagine, like, he's the first guy, one of the first guys you're looking at when you're on the Cardinals beat, when pitchers and catchers report, to see if he's doing the same thing Ooh. as everybody else. That's under the radar, bro. I mean, then everyone go out and trade for Alex Reyes right now because the price is low. Go back to that idea. Don't trade for TJ guys as soon as they get hurt because guys still feel an, an attachment to them. Go get them like a year later when they've been sitting on the guy's bench. And go, oh, fine, just give me something for him. This is a good time to get a guy like Alex Reyes because he does have that upside arm. I like it. Ooh, I like, I like it, it too. The radar. Under the radar. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh,. All right, so I think it's a good, good trade. Good trade talk. Yeah? Yeah. Ian, yeah, yeah. speaking at FBC, like, uh, what's your deal with this right now? You finished, right? Oh, man, I was in the best 15-team league that you can dream of. Vlad Sedler was in the league. Uh, our friend Weather Wax was in the league. Um, he, some, but these guys were, everybody was on it. We did 50 rounds in eight days. A week and a day. We did 50 rounds. This thing was flying. It was unbelievable. Um I really, I love my team. I mean, I just, I love it. I went uh, Freeman, Scherzer. I was in pick 13. Not a good spot to be in. Um, but I uh, I got Freeman at 13, Scherzer at 18. Then I came around and got Blackman at 43. And so, like, you know, I, I believe in Blackman for this year. I'm just, it's a dynasty league. So I'm trading, you know. And then I got Kershaw at 48. So I got my two two good aces. And I was like, I better get some speed. Tommy Pham, uh, Roberto Osuna. Joey Gallo, I got like in the seventh round. Brad Hand, Buxton, Gavin Lux, Kyle Schwarber, Scott Kingery, Sean Manaya, David Price, Dansby Swanson, Yadier Molina, Miguel Andujar, and then and and so forth. But I'm really happy with the team. Look, first base is a a, a, a shot show. Second base is a shot show. Um, Outfield, there is some depth, actually. You, you could say the to... swear word, man. DVR's nah, no, no, no. DVR's got to buzz it, and, and he's like, <laughs> why are you giving me extra work? No, no, DVR likes it. it. No, I'm not doing it, see? Because I know better. I know he doesn't like it. I know he's like, well, you know, I'll go back and I'll fix it. He's the Gibalta bread, bro. He's Gibalta. That... Didn't we go through this? Gibalta? Gibalta. Damn. I don't know why you throw an L in there. You're making it half Chipotle, half Gibalta. <laughs> He's the ciabatta bread man. He's he's key to the whole. He's some toasted ciabatta. Um, yeah, so you know it's a first base a shot show, second base a shot show. Um, so I, I try to cover that. You know, Freddie Freeman in that first round at thirteen, a little early. You know, a little early. Other people might argue that, but I wanted to. I wanted to get a pitcher too in this opening. And Bueller was still on the board. Verlander was still on the board, and Scherzer was still on the board. So I thought one of them will come back, and they did. Scherzer came back. Because Bueller went nice. right after, then Verlander, then Arenado, then Jose Ramirez, and then uh, Max Scherzer. So it's, it, it, was, it worked out great, you know? How about you? DVR, how is yours? Oh, oh, mine's good. I like it. Uh, but like I said, like you gave me the warning, and I'm like, oh, too, too late, buddy. Um, <laughs> you just kept taking your guys, right? I, it's, it's a problem. And I, maybe it's not a problem. Like, I, this is how I like to play. I yes, like to take big swings. No, you have to. you got to just 
Uh, tell him. Can't DVR. do it, Sally. DVR, go ahead. Tell me. Tell him. I want people to play the way they enjoy playing, but I think <laughs> within that, you have to have a certain amount of discipline. And I think if I'm assessing the types of players you like, you like lottery ticket guys, like the, the oh, yeah. what could go right guys. Like, oh yeah, this is this is like a broader <laughs> point. Like, I think you see the good in a player profile, or just in people in general, which is a, a good quality to have. But where I think it hurts you sometimes in fantasy is when you push those guys up higher than you have to, because then you miss out on like more stable role type guys in the middle part of the draft. Yes, the the, the Dansby Swansons, the Sean Manias, the Scott Kingeries, the Kyle Schwarbers, the kind of boring, like just get you your, you know, the 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 Andrew McCutcheons, the Mitch Hanegers, the the fourteenth round, fifteenth round guys who just just you don't even have to think about. It. You just start them and you put them there because not a you've got one of the you've got one of the best eyes in the business. You yeah, you thanks. know how to scout guys. You find the guys. You're ahead on all of these guys. But if you don't fill your team first before you start taking your lottery tickets, you can't pay your rent. You got to pay your rent well, before you can buy the lottery tickets. You know, in this one, I, I like I don't want to make light of spending the fifty bucks because. It's a lot of money, uh, but uh, it's, I don't know. Oh, hold on. I'll click on the draft board. I can tell you what I did, and you can Here tell me go. if I'm... Uh, so I had the third pick, which I think is the worst pick to have this year because I don't believe in Yelich. Uh, you know, coming back from the knee injury, this and that, but I had to take Yelich at third. So I got Yelich. You could Yelich. have taken Cole. You could have taken Garrett Cole. I don't believe in Cole in that in that park. Switching I kind of agree like, with I don't know. I kind you of know, agree with uh, yeah, Maybe yeah. DeGrom. I could have taken DeGrom, I guess. Nah, you're right. Yelich is the... I like Yelich. so many pitchers late. Good. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. All right. All right. Anyway, Keep going. sorry. So Yelich, I took first. Came back around. Aaron Judge. And this is a twelve-team league. I thought there, there you go. Where did you get him? Where did you get him? I got him with a third to last pick of the second round. So twenty-two. So twenty-two. Perfect. Thank you, Nando. There okay, you go. And then, so here's the problem. And by, two notes quickly about NFBC. And I don't want to. I feel like anyway. Uh, one, uh, when they send you the email. So when, when you start it. Here's what I tell anyone if you're thinking about getting into NFBC. When you start it, go, immediately go into settings and just send an email for when it's your turn to pick. Because I got so many emails they stacked, and I, I missed my turn and auto-drafted Raphael Devers for me, which I was so pissed about. And I'm, it's my fault. So anyway, I have Raphael Devers. That's a very good point. That's a very good point, though, and it, because otherwise it just becomes too much. Like every pick, is, you, can't ha- you can't have it. Every pick, you're on deck. Even you're on deck. Like, okay. No, and no, you no. Lose them because when all Gmail stack like that, you lose. Nah, them. just do do on deck and do on deck. You should do on deck. You gotta you unstack your Gmail, by the way. That's a, a life tip if you're using Gmail. Like that threading that was, I had that. That's the default setting where it just like puts a little number in parentheses to tell you how many emails are on that chain. It kills you. Like it, it at some point, whether it's a draft out? or a work thing or whatever it is, that feature will work against you. It's, it's not broken. a good feature. Keep going. Keep yeah. going. I want to hear. I want to hear where it goes. Where where it goes. Well, that's where it went. That's where I was disappointed about that. Didn't let it ruin me. Uh, I went with Chris Paddock with the next one at the end of the fourth. Okay. Vlad Vlad Junior at the start of the fifth. That's all right. Uh, not a bad spot. Right. Then I doubled up Syndergaard and Otani with my next two. I like that. Um, and then you know this is a draft and hold. So I but I just want to be on record. I hate the Paddock pick. I hate that. Oh, all right. I hate that. Nice I love friend. the I love the Syndergaard pick. Love the Syndergaard. Well, here's his, I mean, it's Paddock. It's it could have gotten Kershaw, who you probably would have done. I would have definitely gotten Kershaw. Yeah. And then Morton Glass. Now, you know, you got whatever. Morton and Glass now. No, I'm saying that's who's oh. that's in that area. Just gotta, for, gotta, so gotta. people get a feel of who who else. You know. Yep. Um. Anyway, 
then I took Gary Sanchez. I took Sanchez and Grandal back to back just to two get my catcher catchers strong. Two catchers. Yeah, I totally strong. punted uh, saves, by the way, which is going to come back to haunt me. But oh well. <laughs> These fifties aren't, I guess, as far as I can tell. You know, you win the league, you get three fifty. Then you come in yeah. second, you get fifty in like a fifty dollar credit. I think it might only okay. be a fifty dollar credit. I think so. Whatever. My Keep plan going. is to get a bunch of relievers at the end. All right. Anyway, so I got Conforto. I got auto picked Sano. Uh, that time I just wasn't paying attention. I was out. <laughs> and then I got Byron Buxton. And then I went on a run. Luke Weaver, Herman Marquez, Julio Urias, Masahiro Tanaka, and John Gray. Cool. And this is why I'm not going early with pitchers because I can get those five in rounds 13, 14, 15, 16, and 17, and then Lucchese in 19. Okay. What do you think about that? I, I, read those five again, please. All right, so in the 13th, I got Luke Weaver. Yeah. In the 14th, I got Herman Marquez, who I don't even like, but a guy who everyone was sweating so hard in the 14th round, I think that's a tremendous deal. Even well, if I, you, That's me yeah. saying I might be wrong about this guy, but everyone else might have been right last year. Now they're just totally forgetting about this dude. Yeah, or you just say, I'm just going to start him on the road. That's it. Just well, I'm just going to start him on the road. And he'll give, you good, uh, he'll give you good innings on the road. Julio Urias in the 15th, Masahiro Tanaka in that. the 16th. And then uh, I, went John, I went John Gray in the 17th with the Marquez thinking. Yeah, the only problem is now you got two pitchers who you can't start on the, at home. But I love Julio Urias, man. I, I, I just think he's going to explode. It's a good year for him. Let's just put it that way. I think it's a good year ahead for him. I'm and then uh, Danny Jansen in the 20th. I just wanted to round out all my catchers. And plus, I can start Grindal at first if I need to. He's got eligibility there. So I just wanted to make sure I didn't get stuck like in July having an injured catcher and not having anyone good to put in there. Mm-hmm. So okay. I'm cool with that. Uh, then went Cano, Austin Riley, Profar. And then I got Lewis Urias, Dylan Bundy, Jesse Winker, Dylan Batances, Pablo Lopez. And this is where I started speculating on some relievers, maybe. Mm-hmm. Uh, Mauricio Dubon, Garrett Cooper, our guy, Eric Thames, Alex Reyes, and uh, Franklin Beretta was my last pick in the 33rd. I got a very strong middle infield. I, I don't. I, I, I'm not way. hate. I'm not. I, I don't see where you. You don't love it. It's full, okay if you don't. No, love no. It. I'm no. You're going. I'm going the other way. I don't think you went full Nando yet. Full, I, I, full Nando. <laughs> see, I feel like I did. It's like going Can that full, be the episode boil. Can it be called Full Nando? The episode this week. Full <laughs> yeah. Okay. So secret word is definitely full. Hashtag Full Nando. Full Nando. Go go the Full Nando. Um, you didn't go Full Nando there. No, I think you you handled your business. You handled your business. I, I don't know who's playing first base for you other than Grandall. Uh, oh, Garrett Cooper, man. Come on. Oh, yeah. Oh, sorry. Well, Miguel Sano is going to pick it up. And, and Miguel Sano, yeah. Sano will pick it up because that Donaldson pickup is is going to be big. But boy, that's going to look ugly in about two years when he's walking But my cue is, is like, uh, my cue is Who, great. Who's well, the, I got, also got Eric Thames. Yeah, my that's Q right. Is I, I going to be good. Like, Jesus Aguiar is probably the next guy I'm taking. Yeah, I guess you can, yeah. Actually, that's He's not a bad starting play. first baseman for the Marlins, whose new hitting coach is going to hit home runs for everybody. <laughs> who's who's the, to hit home runs. Who's the, who's the new hitting coach? Um, the dude who came over from the Twins. I can't think All of right. his name. Okay. But he's like, there's a great, actually, great article on the Athletic about how he just is going to have everybody hitting home runs. He's like amazing. You know, uh, this I, I retweeted you this week. The Athletic was in Axios, wasn't it? Can we talk about that for a second? Yeah, I think so. Yeah, it was public knowledge. Yeah, you did a, you, you know, the, what did it say? What did the article say? Just make our subscribers feel good about, you know, subscribing. We got a $50 million in uh, Series D 
investment, including Matthew McConaughey, one of the investors. Nice. Um, yeah. And there was a nice quote from the guy saying, like, this is just proof. A guy who was one of the investors saying, this is proof that uh, the, the subscription model works because at the end of the day, it serves, I'm paraphrasing, it serves the reader. You know what I mean? Yeah. And then we got a lot of nice notes from people being like, you know what I like is that a lot of the writers go in and they talk to the people and stuff like that. And we have chats and things. Mm-hmm. So that was cool. Nice. It's um, yeah. always, always happy and proud. I, I want to move on to one more thing before we get, have to get out. Um, but Nando, you went full Nando and you went and got a Pete Rose autograph in yeah. Vegas. <laughs> so let's yes. talk about that. Come on now. How was Pete? Did he, did he say I didn't cheat? I, I shouldn't have been. Yeah. What'd he say? No, no. Uh, so if we, I mean, if we got a minute, and I'm sorry, DVR, you haven't even talked at all this episode. You want me to type it to you and you can read it? I spilled a coffee in the ninth minute, so really it's been fine. <laughs> Chibalta. <Okay>. Chibalta. <laughs> Chibata. 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 He's the Chibata, man. It's it's like we're doing a little bit more of an Anapasta play today. Yeah, Sarah as Ian bro. would say, you, you spilled a coffee? That's weird. You spilled a coffee? <laughs> All right, come on. Pete All Rose, right. autograph, uh, Vegas. So, anyway, so Pete Rose signs, I think it's been pretty well publicized. Pete Rose is just sitting in Las Vegas in a memorabilia store, a music memorabilia store at the MGM, uh, signing autographs. And you go up. Uh, first of all, it was impossible to find the store. I, had, I went to two different casinos because it's very, like, the art of music has moved around a little bit. And I want to get an autograph from my dad. Um, so, anyway, so I go. It's, uh, you walk in. The dude is really nice. He's wearing a Pete Rose jersey. This kid who's like my age, actually, probably 10 years younger than me. Um, and he's like, hey, you know, here's what we're selling, this and that. You, for $149, you get the ball. And then you can go in. And he's like, you go, just go in. Pete will talk to you. He's a cool guy. He's like a normal guy. He likes meeting people and talking to people. Um, big, thick hands, right? I remember his big, thick hands. Yeah, dude, let me tell you, man. Pete Rose is 79. So anyway, they, they bring you in. You go. You, there was like a, a woman ahead of me, um, uh, like a woman in like a wheelchair. It was really nice, actually. Like Pete Rose, I, my opinion of Pete Rose has changed dramatically in the last 10 years, and especially in the last two weeks. But he was just like this affable guy, being nice to everybody. You walk by, and it's kind of like this mall that's kind of like an arm of the MGM casino. And Pete Rose is like in a kind of like a window, almost like a doctor's office window um, when you go up and, and tell the lady you're here for your appointment. Um, so Pete Rose is sitting there facing out. And if you just walk by, you can see him. And people were out there like taking pictures of him, not paying to go meet him or whatever, but you know, taking pictures of him. Um, anyway, so you go in. Uh, I waited for this woman to finish. I was talking to the guy who, who's kind of like Pete's manager who kind of runs the the ropes. Um, really nice guy. Good dude. Knows about the athletic. So uh, so go in there. And again, he's another dude who's like, hey, Pete's really cool, whatever. There's a woman in there uh, who took my camera and she's like, I'll just, or took my phone. She's like, I'll take a bunch of pictures for you. I'm like, all right, cool. So you sit down and you talk to Pete Rose and he's asking me questions about my dad, um, you know, where I'm from, where we, where we grew up, this and that. Um, it, it just like, you know, signs the ball like you know who do you want to who do you want it to and he'll write like whatever i guess but he you know i didn't even he was asking me so many questions it turns out he just wrote to a great dad which was nice um and then the, you know like he'd sit and chat for him there's no one in line there really um and here's the coolest part they they give you the ball and they give you a certificate of authenticity pete rose fills out the certificate of authenticity so it's like you know this is this baseball number 265 and then he autographs the certificate of authenticity so in a way, you're getting nice. two Pete Rose autographs for the $149. But at the end, you know, like, oh, let's take a picture. Okay. So put my arm around him. And the dude is a rock. Like Pete Rose is a rock at 79 years old. Um, I don't know, man. Just I, I enjoyed the experience very it's much. Like, um, you know what it's like? It sounds like when we go to Disney World and you go meet Mickey Mouse. And you're like, hey, well, we can take a picture. And hey, you, you know, we can talk. 
And it, it, yeah. it, that sounds cool, man. It's nice that you had that experience. I, like I said on the show, I think it was last week, two weeks ago, I really like Pete Rose as a player, man. That's my kind of ball player. He just hustled and played, man, I'm Charlie Hustle. So that's cool. He's not a knucklehead? No, he no, 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 no. He's 79 years old, man. You get to 79, even if you were a knucklehead, I, I think knucklehead has to, he's nice to you, man. I know, he's a good guy. Good. Yeah, he, we'll go I'm that. telling you, I, I, granted, he's getting 150 bucks for yeah. sitting there, signing his name, and making small talk with somebody. Yeah, but he's also, there, you about. know, if there was another guy out there who's going to get 150 bucks, he'd be like, yeah, all right, what's your name? All right, cool. Yeah, here's your picture. Okay, who's next? You know, Pete Rose is affable. That's nice. True. Nice to hear. Good story. Good story, Nando. Yeah, right. DVR, yeah, everyone should go. DVR, what you got? Anything? Anything you want to wrap up with? I didn't meet anyone interesting in the last week, so I don't have a, a good story to close us out. All right, man. Sorry. There we go. Right, well, that's all right. Well, there you go. There I, is, I, I, I was home. I didn't, it was really cold, too. I didn't really leave the house much. He's a toasted, he's a toasted piece of awesome bread, that dude. It's DVR, just give it something else, man. What are, you, are you watching The Outsider? Are you enjoying it? I've been watching Brooklyn Nine Nine, and then is I'm it gonna, good? I, I do actually like it quite a bit. I'm, I'm going to get into Turn really soon. Those are very different shows. So you got to be in the right mood. But Turn's coming, dude. It's yeah, happening. It's fine. It's all good, bro. It's yeah, winter. Bro. It's going to happen. <laughs> it's all oh, good. Dude, Ian, I was telling when I was home for Christmas. I totally forgot about this, and we might as well talk about it on the show. Uh, I was talking. I was at home for Christmas, and uh, one of one of our family friends is sick, and he's kind of bedridden. He's, he's going to get better, but I mean, like he's watching TV, and I'm, he's a history guy. Um, even has like the kind of like that Ben Franklin haircut. He's a lawyer, you know, like very commanding presence. And I'm like, you should watch Turn. And he's like, okay, cool. So he's going to watch Turn before it goes off of Netflix. There you go. Or he it's might be actually be watching Turn. I don't know. Jeez. He said he was going to watch it. So I hope not. I like it on Netflix. It's good on Netflix. I yeah. get a little check. So there you you go. Get checks. It's good. Keeps keeps you got another guy keeps, watching turn. Keeps the lights on. It's good. Good. He thought it was. He thought it was based on a book. He was right. It is based on a book. It's uh, based on a book by Alexander Rose uh, called "Turn Washington Spies." All right. Which well, there is, you go. Uh, also, the title. So. All right. <laughs> there you oh, go. No, it's not called "Turn Washington Spies." Dumb ass con. It's called "Washington Spies." That's what it's called. Nice. So if you want to read the book, don't read the book. The book is, it's it's very, uh, <laughs> yeah. I mean, I like yeah, Alex Rose. The book. the book, but honestly, I tried to read the book and I was like, you know what? I'm finding other research. <laughs> I was like, this is too, it's too like, you know, very historians with footnotes. Like, you know, it's just, it's a bit much, but gave us a TV show, which made my life a lot better. So I'm grateful for it for sure. Uh, All right. Okay, no, I'll, no. I'll wrap it up. Let me wrap it up with this. Uh, I'm two picks away. Aguiar is off the board. Yeah. I wanna, this is how I want to end the show. Next guy up is Clint Frazier. After him is Kyle Crick. <laughs> Do not. For the anti-knucklehead, Ian Cobb. Yes. See you next week, friends. For the man you'll see at FSGA this summer, Derek Van Riper, hopefully. <laughs> yeah. we're Dallas? Ooh, Dallas. I don't know. Sure, whatever. Frisco. <laughs> Frisco would be good. I'm not a Dafino. Thanks so much for joining us. We're going to get these cranking out weekly now. So get excited. It's fantasy baseball season, everybody. See you next time. See ya.